0: you need to know, it's the Wyatt Sharp Show.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the show. Today my guest is Andrea Harvath, the leader of the Ontario NDP and of the official opposition here in the province of Ontario. So Andrea, my first question that I have for you today is uh, why did you get involved in politics and why did you want to
0: run to be MPP for Hamilton Centre? Well, thanks for the question, Wyatt. Uh, For me, it's always been about people. I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a politician. In fact, I can remember times in my life, even in university, where I was very nervous to do public speaking and those kinds of things. But uh, I'd also, I come from Hamilton, which is a, you know, it's a working class industrial type of city. Uh, We've now transitioned our economy to other things. But when I was growing up, there was some you know, there was a lot of struggles. Uh, We had a recession, people were hurting, folks were losing jobs at factories and things like that. And um, I I started off just working with uh, other folks to put together a a center for helping workers uh, who had English as their second language and those kinds of things um, to learn English better and, and write resumes and those kinds of things, because it used to be, you could just walk up to a factory and get a job. And then of course that, all changed. so starting from that one and that was when I just finished university in the mid 80s and and ever since then and then even before uh, it's been all about you know communities and neighborhoods and I started off as a city counselor you might know um, getting elected in Hamilton because because I, I lived in the downtown in an urban neighborhood that had been neglected by by representatives that have been there for a very long time and so I thought my combination of passion for my city for my neighborhoods for everyday people and families uh, I thought it's time to maybe consider instead of banging on the door from the outside sitting at the decision-making table Um, and and that's when I ran for city council back in 1997.
1: All right and so the next question I have for you today is the COVID-19 pandemic continues to have um, devastating effects and a lot of people are having trouble with their mental health including many young people so what yeah. would you like to see and um, how should the government move forward with reopening schools in uh, September?
0: Well there's uh, a lot there uh, so I think first and foremost we have to s- center our efforts and our, our uh, investments on making sure not only are schools safe but that we acknowledge that kids have gone through a lot uh, kids have gone through an awful lot there for two years now. In fact, their school has been disrupted in one way or another. Uh, and of course, the pandemic has meant, you know, kids are, are lonely, they, they miss their friends. Uh, some are having uh, challenges academically in, in terms of having some learning loss. Uh, and, and that's uh, that's got to be acknowledged. So it's not just a matter of making sure our schools are safe. Yes, we have to do that, making sure they're well repaired. It would be about time we did that there's been repair problems with schools for a long time but I, th- I don't think we can just pretend it's business as usual so we need to make those investments for extra supports and for extra help for kids uh, and, and that means education workers and teachers and EAs and all those kinds of folks uh, but we also have to acknowledge that uh, that everything that we do as we kind of begin to plan to come out of the of the um Pandemic and when we start talking about recovery, uh, we should be centering a lot of what we do on our children. And I, I say that uh, and one of our two of my MPPs, actually, uh, uh, Butilla Carpoche from Parkdale and uh, Jessica Bell from uh, University Rosedale have a, a, a bill that, that talks about. Uh, oh, actually, it's, I think it's actually Marit Stiles from Davenport and Jessica Bell have a bill that says, um, you know, uh, youth centred recovery. Uh, for, from, pan, uh, from the pandemic and it's, it talks about how do we make sure we're centering our recovery on youth and then Butilla Carpoche for, uh, for some time now has had a bill in the legislature uh, to try to uh, increase the um, response to children's mental health needs. We've had kids on waiting lists for 18 months uh, for mental health supports and that's got to stop. Uh, because things get worse, you know. You know, what, when you're when you're not in a good spot and you don't get the help you need, things get worse and worse and worse, and it makes hard. It makes it harder uh, to get better. So we 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 really do believe that, um, and I do believe, as my team does, that we really need to pay attention to our kids. And I, I, you know, lots of folks say, "Oh, young people are our future." That's true, but there's a lot of youth leadership that are very active and that have had their voices, like yourself, like you are a good example, right? Have their voices um, in the public debate and dialogue, and that's extremely important.
1: Okay, and so my next question I have for you uh, today, Andrea, is I would like to talk about the Green New Democratic deal. Um, sure. it, was, it wasn't it was even back in April that I had Deputy Leader Sarah Seng on, and so um, the NDP's climate change uh, policy is the Green New T- uh, Democratic deal, so can you talk a little bit about it and why voters should place their trust in this plan and then maybe outline some of the main policy points in this plan as well?
0: Sure. Uh, thanks for that, Wyatt. I, I want to start by saying we're very proud of the plan because we took it out for consultation. So we did a draft, we took it out, and we consulted all kinds of different people. Uh, we consulted young people, we consulted business, we consulted industry, uh, we consulted environmental uh, activists. Uh, we, I mean, we just we really did a huge consultation, and we were about to release our plan, and the pandemic hit. Uh, so I said to my team, I, I think we need to pull back this plan because there might be opportunities to to respond to the uh, impacts of the pandemic uh, through our Green New Democratic deal. So let's hold it back and uh, and send it out again for consultation uh, to talk about what we need to do to fight the the biggest crisis that we face as a world outside of the pandemic, and that's the climate change crisis. Uh, So we did that, we pulled it back, we released it uh, several months ago now, and it's it's a plan for for it's a plan for a couple of different things. It's a plan for uh, for climate. It's a plan for jobs and a plan for justice. So uh, we, we want to see uh, as we move out of this pandemic. We, you know, the pandemic has shown some pretty big cracks in our in our in our systems, right? We have workers that are very very uh, underpaid who have. Uh, what we call precarious work, or, or they don't have uh, full time hours. People that we rely on, like our frontline healthcare workers, uh, some of those folks don't even have, can't even get full time work, and their wages are very low. Uh, those folks that work in factories that process our food, uh, that work in the warehouses that that, that got goods to our, our households when we couldn't go to stores. Uh, we need to really look at that. Uh, And uh, as we, as we recover, uh, we have to acknowledge that we need to not just get get back to normal, but actually fix the things that are broken uh, and and make life better. But when when it comes to the Green uh, New Democratic deal that that plan has a number of pieces, It, it has a uh, it has a, a commitment uh, around uh, greening of our transportation systems it has a commitment around uh, uh, greening of or or uh, re- reducing to uh, uh to zero emissions all of our public buildings uh we have uh, we meet the paris targets in fact in some in some cases i think we exceed them uh net zero by 50 50 uh by by 2030 we'll have all of all ontarios and not just this the uh, not just the province of ontario's transit system but all of the transit systems and municipalities Uh, at at net zero emissions, Uh, uh, and and it's also, it speaks about, uh, you know, making sure that as we transition into this new economy uh, that deals with the climate change, uh, that we're creating decent jobs for people. So we estimate a million jobs over the life of the plan uh, in the first term of office, first four years, uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs we created. Uh, and that's exactly what we need right now. People need to get back to work uh, and start, um, you know, start taking care of their families uh, because it's been tough. Lots of people have lost their jobs and they need opportunity.
1: Okay, and so the next election is only one year away. We know that according to the polls, current uh, Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca is polling uh, better than former leader Kathleen Wynne did in the last election. And I'm saying that because in the last election, the NDP was the alternative option to uh, a lot of voters. So how are you going to make sure that people who voted for the NDP in 2018 will stay with the
0: NDP in the next election? That's a great question, Wyatt. Uh, What we are going to do is make sure that we put people at the center of everything. Uh, As I told you, that's what got me started in politics in the first place. Uh, And I think that uh, it's really important to show people uh, that you don't have to go back to uh, a liberal government that that really didn't achieve much in 15 years. I mean, they left us with a long-term care system that was on its knees, which created the environment for so many seniors to tragically lose their lives with COVID-19. Ho- ho- uh, hospital, uh, hospitals were underfunded so we had hallway medicine, people on stretchers in the hallways not getting the care they deserve. Uh, we had They sold off one of our most important uh, public assets uh, uh, and that was the Hydro One which uh, should have stayed public. Uh, and you know they had a lot of scandals. For them it really quickly became about politics uh, and about themselves instead of about everyday Ontarians. And so we don't need to go back to that. I mean, I think that's the big point. We don't need to go back to the Stephen Del Duca, Kathleen Wynne uh, style of um, of leadership here in Ontario, but nor do we have to stay with Doug Ford, who really has made some pretty bad choices uh, and ha- has made some pretty big cuts. And we were talking about uh, schools a minute ago. Uh, he's cut $800 million uh, for, from the education budget for this coming September. So, how are we going to provide those supports that you and I just talked about for young people and kids going back to school if if they're cutting the budget instead of augmenting the budget? People are really unhappy with Doug Ford's uh, uh, handling of the pandemic, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, people have 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 watched as a as a. Vaccine rollout plan has been chaotic uh, as uh, the hotspot areas got ignored, and you know Doug Ford refused to listen to his own advisors, the science table, and the public health experts, and walked us into the third wave that we're only now crawling out of. So uh, you know, people, I think, have some real important choices to make, and it's really about the future of, of this province and and whether we want to go back to the disappointing old days of the Liberals or stick with the you know a premier who's in it for his uh, his buddies, his developer friends, and uh, well-connected insiders. I think people deserve a government that's focused on them. Okay, my next
1: question that I have for you today is one issue is childcare. The Ontario Liberal Party has came out with a $10 a day childcare plan. So what is the NDP plan for childcare? And I understand you're probably still working on it a little bit, but um, how are you convinced voters that your plan is better than what sounds like to many Ontarians, a pretty affordable plan from the Liberals?
0: Well, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, you know, scenario or situation, uh, because much my understanding of Mr. Del Duca's plan is reliant on uh, Mr. Trudeau's funding, the, the Prime Minister's funding. Uh, so if the Prime Minister's not there, uh, the likelihood is that's not going to come through, but but we already have a really great child care plan. We had it in our last uh, uh, platform in 2018, and it doesn't rely on Mr. Trudeau, it doesn't rely on the federal government. Uh, it's something that Ontario needs to take responsibility for. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing I think that's important to note is I, I have a son now who's um, 28 years old. And the first time the Liberal government in Canada, the national Liberal government under Paul Martin at the time, uh, promised universal child care for all Canadians, all Canadian families, I thought that's great. It's going to help me afford childcare for my son because my son was very little at that time. That shows you how long ago it was because he's 28 now, and we've never seen that plan uh, come to fruition, right? We've never seen that plan uh, actually be put in place, and so it, it's it's really unfair to parents and unfair to families when you when you suggest that you're going to do something as important uh, as a, a national childcare plan uh, or program, and then just just don't deliver you let years and years and years go by and you don't deliver so i'm uh, i can tell you that when when we form government p- childcare will be a priority it always has been for me and for the ndp but i mean let's think about it the other thing we're hearing and it's funny why just yesterday when i was driving from toronto to hamilton uh, i was listening to the cbc and they were talking about the number of women who are leaving the workforce or who have had been forced to leave the workforce because of COVID uh, and are are choosing not to go back because they simply can't afford it. They can't afford the childcare costs uh, and and, and don't see uh, the ability to to go back to being a two income family. And that's that's a real problem. Our economy uh, needs to have women active uh, at high numbers and women deserve to have opportunity and careers here in Ontario as well. But childcare is a big piece of that. And uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll you're right, we'll put some fine details on our plan, but I can tell you it'll be an Ontario plan uh, and we won't be relying on the prime minister who, whose party has been promising it for 30 years.
1: Okay, and um, the next question I have for you, Andrea, is COVID-19 is still here, but cases are going down, but what is your reaction to cases um, declining, and do you have confidence that cases can stay low uh, and can stay at the current level, even with the new reopening framework in place?
0: That's uh, a great question Wyatt. Uh, I, I can say that people are excited uh, about the reopening that's happening. People are are excited and so am I that the numbers are starting to really uh, creep down uh, that the hospitals particularly and all those folks who have worked for uh, so hard for us uh, are starting to get some relief. The ICUs, the number of, of new admissions for COVID are all going down and those are all great signs. Uh, I think there's still some real concerns around hotspot spot uh, areas uh, particularly, access to uh, second doses for those areas uh, with the Delta variant, and I think I'm you're pretty sure you know what that is. The Delta variant, which is much more um, much more uh, easily spread uh, than uh, than the original variant. Uh, I think 50% more uh, likelihood of spreading or ease ease of spreading, and. That's what we have to be worried about we have to be worried that we still don't have paid sick days for folks uh that the hotspot spot areas where lots of people who uh, don't have paid sick days are still uh, not vaccinated with the second vaccine and uh and the government has not really done much to um you know to to plan or to support those hotspot spot neighborhoods and and now we're having hotspots you know that are poking up in, in different areas like Kitchener Waterloo, for example, up in Porcupine Health uh, health System. I don't know if you know where that is, but that's up in Timmins. It's like Northern Ontario. Uh, and so there's something going on and it's the variants, uh, particularly the Delta variant and, and I, I don't see a plan from the government. The last thing we need, what? and i think everybody would agree uh is is walking into a fourth wave and you know the premier really has to work hard to uh, prevent that from happening by focusing on where these hot spots are uh, and i think everyday folks have done a great job thus far uh, but we all have to remember even as we're getting vaccines uh there are others that don't have vaccines and we we need to still continue to wear masks and distance and uh, and uh, you know prevent this for the spread of the the variants particularly the delta variant
1: you mentioned about poor keeping, um Health Unit. When um, the stage one of the reopening framework came out, they actually, des- um, their chief med- or their medical officer of health decided that um, she didn't want that region to uh, reopen. So it's a good example of how um, the Delta variant is spreading in that region. But uh, my next and final question for you today is, uh, what are some things that the NDP will look to accomplish in the next election? And uh, why should voters place
0: their trust in the NDP in the next election? Uh, thanks very much, Wyatt. Uh, so there's a number of things we ju- we talked about the Green New, De- New Democratic Deal. Uh, we've already launched two other uh, platform planks. The first was long-term care back in uh, back in I think October of last year. So long-term care and home care get the profits out, make it public and not for profit, uh, increase the wages, uh, make sure that our our seniors um, as they as they age have some choice and some dignity and the kind of supports and services they need so both home care and long-term care uh, we plan to overhaul those systems uh, Doug uh, Ford it will not make the commitment uh, to get profits out uh, and stephen del duca has not made that com- commitment either the liberals had 15 years to fix it and they did the opposite they made it much 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 worse so that's one big one for uh, for us uh, the, the other one that we put out I think it was just at the beginning of this year uh, or maybe it was the end of last year as well was uh, a housing platform uh, we know that housing costs are increasing particularly for young people not able to get into the housing market uh, not able to you know uh, begin growing their family because they they don't they can't afford big enough space to to start having a family uh young people leave university college with huge debt uh and then and then can't uh can't get the financing for a mortgage and so everything from helping young families to to get a home uh to you know helping the 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 folks that are in the in the most uh um challenging situations so people who are homeless and can't uh, don't have the uh, the skills to stay housed, uh, affordable housing with support services, uh, affordable housing uh, generally for 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 folks to be able to afford a roof over their head. You know why? You really can't build a life unless you have the stability of of a home, uh, of of a roof over your head that you can afford that meets your needs. Uh, and from there, then you can. You can, you know, apply for jobs. You can go back to school. You can do so many things. But if your housing is insecure, or if you're living on the streets, you you can't you can't build a a, a good life. And so we really need to tackle uh, the housing uh, concerns here in Ontario. Uh, so we have a platform plank to do that, and there's more to come. So I think that's the other thing. But regardless of the policy pieces, you know, Wyatt, I think I think Ontarians have a really important decision to make in this election next year, Uh, we we have a a rebuilding of our of our, you know, of our province to do after COVID. Uh, And do we want to go back to the same old solutions that haven't worked? Uh, The same old solutions that conservatives and liberals have brought forward? I don't think so. Do we want to keep a premier? who's, you know, made some pretty bad decisions and pretty bad choices uh, and made some pretty big cuts already. Uh, he was cutting before COVID started. He was cutting schools, firing 10,000 teachers, cutting healthcare, cutting long-term care. People, well, that's not what we need. And I think people understand that, nor do we need a liberal government that talks a good game, uh, but, uh, but really doesn't accomplish much for everyday people. So there's big choices for folks to make. And uh, I know that um, for me, It's about them. It's about the people of Ontario and putting their needs and their lives at the center of every single thing government does.
1: All right, Andrew. Well, that was my final question, and thanks again for joining me today.
0: It's my pleasure, Wyatt, and good on you for knowing about the Porcupine Health Unit. Very (laughs) impressive.
1: Bye.